Welcome to the Design Leadership Podcast. Bespoke Mini One is a futures design studio based in Copenhagen in the intersection of strategy, design, business, and culture. With us today, the co-founders Ditte Gro-Wolf and Nicholas Arroyo. Welcome. Futures design is the discipline of looking at the world, looking at what is emerging in the world, what is changing in the world, what is disrupting the world, what is disrupting different industries, sectors, societies, values, etc. And try to understand the impact and the implications of those changes for the future. So it is a lot about collecting and observing the world but then also reflecting on what could that change mean for a certain industry, a certain country, a certain landscape. And then using that knowledge, using those insights to inform what we need to design, how we need to design it, but most importantly, why we need to design what we are designing. Is this a tough sell? Does this connect easily with your clients or uh, is it a journey? Companies that approach us come with a very open kind of sense of wanting to understand a future landscape. And for them, it's, that's a really good springboard to engage in a dialogue about, you know, how we approach it, our methodology, how we recommend the process to look. Uh, so I think for those that come and that may be an R&D uh, unit or an innovation unit or a leadership team, they're quite often you know, tuned into at least knowing the importance of understanding the future. And they're more interested in the how. So in that process, it's a lot about explaining what are the steps we take and why do we take them. I would say for bigger contexts, like the clients that don't approach us, but if we just talk about, you know, us talking about who we are and what we do, I think the barriers can be that people have a very limited sense of understanding about what futures is and that it's about, you know, futures uh, predictions or it's about knowing something that uh, no one else knows or that it's kind of a, a bit of a mysterious field. It can be one approach and, and others still feel quite far away from, from having a say in that or feeling that it's a, an, a discipline that they can engage in. So I think in those cases when we have to kind of like explain ourselves to people that are not coming in with a project or or a budget or an idea in their head, uh, it's a lot about actually arguing for why it's important to develop tools to look at the future differently from what we've done traditionally. How far away is the future? The future is in uh, 50 years, in 10, but it's also tomorrow or next week and the week after. So, you know, we work with, diff of course, with the concept of different horizons and the longer the time horizon, the more blurry and abstract that vision of the future can be. So it depends a lot on what are the, you could say, strategic intentions of a client. Are they looking into what are the next categories in the next couple of decades, which is a different kind of exploration, or are they looking into what's the next big thing in the next two years or three years, right? So And, and they respond to different kind of input and they will have different outputs as well. Uh, different strategic outputs as well. But that's a discussion that we always have, you know, like how, which is connected to your to your initial question of like, is it a hard sell? Mm. 
And of course, when we're focusing on the on the shorter term, you can argue, hey, this could be showing us the way for the strategy that's just right in front of us for the next couple of years. But when it's a little bit more into the future, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it becomes more blurry, right? And their return of investment, if you want to call it that way, it becomes much more um, yeah, difficult to, to see, right? But there are companies and there are organizations that need to invest also in not just in the next quarter or the next two, three years. They need to look beyond because maybe their industry moves slower because the markets move slower. So they know that and they need to, to be prepared for that. It can also become too close. If if we look at the very near future, then we're more in, then it's business analysis you need or market analysis, right. uh, which is not the business win. So I think there's also, there's a sweet spot <laughs> where if it becomes too close, then it's, it's a different set of tools, um, yeah. which is not the power of the tools that I think we work with day to day. Because part of that is to to create a space where you step into speculation and allow yourself to use present observations as a springboard to speculate about the future. Mm. Uh, and if we have projects that are very, very close, that field of speculation is not so interesting because it's more about, you know, sometimes we can hear between the lights what you actually want as a prediction. And then on the other hand, if you go too much on the yeah. on the other side, then it becomes art. A question for you both. Has the anxiety about the economy, uh, you know, in a global market with clients impacted your futures work at all? Or are you still able to articulate and provide the value that you would like to based on your business model? Yes, it definitely has impacted, but I wouldn't say in a negative way. I think it's just kind of maybe changing the perspectives that we're using in our work. Well, maybe before, you could say before the last, yeah from COVID, right, from from the COVID crisis and now economical, political crisis we're living in. Before that, there was a lot of focus on innovation per se, kind of like how do we use these new technologies or these new behaviors that are emerging in society to develop products and services that, you know, we can we can release for, for our users. And I've, I've, at least that's what I'm observing now is kind of a, a need even increasing need for for thinking about the future, but actually people understand now that we need to go beyond just that innovation space, if you call it that. People is realizing the value of actually understanding, okay, what, what are the, the big forces that are affecting our world? Even if it's not your business, even if it's not your industry, these kind of things will affect you. So there's a we see now a huge need from from our clients to you know to actually understand that they want to understand that what are those next phenomenon that maybe are out of our hands and there's nothing we can do about it, but we can be aware and we can be prepared in a certain way. So it's it's, it's this idea of like are you using the future to innovate or are you using the future to be prepared? And and those two can can be combined, but definitely there's been a, a shift for, mm. for the second one, right? And I think that's also something about, you could say, in the before world you talk about, Nick, which is the, you know, before COVID, it was maybe more also related to trend work, or that's what kind of yeah. the industry has been a lot about, you know, the trend reports, you know, that we kind of also come out of that wanting to do more than a trend report. That has been an immensely fast maturing of the market that 
very few clients come now and ask for trends because that's a little bit of a luxury and also very reactive. How does one create a um, a desire among designers and design leaders for this way of thinking while they're juggling all the the, the day-to-day activities to um, sort of inspire upward in the organization? I think there are like two questions in the question. And I think the first one is maybe uh, going back to your opening question with the hard sell. <laughs> now we thought about the sell of the product. I think the day-to-day sell to a designer is in my experience and in essence hopefully not that hard because I think it create it connects very much to the the design DNA of wanting to create, you know, and I guess many designers have the creative nerve and the, maybe also the dream is to decide objects that, that stay with us for a long time. Think about coming out of Denmark, you know, the Danish design tradition of furniture or, you know, some of those design icons. They're all built with a long-term perspective in mind. That, for many designers, is like the dream is to create objects that people are going to want to use for the rest of their lives, you know, um, or to create like that uh, that digital design that the people um, used as the new standard for something. So, so hopefully, I would say for many designers, this should connect to like a deep desire to create objects that last and that are meaningful to people over generations, which I think is a beautiful thing in itself. And then I think what it comes down to after that, if you have that buy-in, it's more about how, you know, so it's about in the daily distractions of of life and clients and projects and deadlines. It's about integrating it on a daily basis so we can maintain, you know, a landscape that we keep building on and keep adding on and keep developing together. How we do it is, is by using you know, a very strong focus on, on signals as a way to enter the work about futures, um, meaning that you're like on a constant lookout of small, small manifestations of what is changing and emerging around you rather than than leaning back and doing like the big analysis. Nicholas, could you build on that and talk us through and how you work, the steps you take? Kind of what Dida was mentioning is the how. Is the, how. Um, the the most important thing or, or the the beginning or the foundation for it is is this work with signals, you know, which is looking for what is emerging around around us. Um, so it's very important that when we begin, we define some sort of domain that we are exploring. So let's say you are a technology company, you know, you want to define what what is your domain and that could be geographical but of course it could be you know different uh, industries or sectors that that overlap that are relevant to to you and to your customers but it could also be that you're curious about a specific area um so maybe you're curious about how families would look like in the future and that could contain many different sub topics that you want to explore right could be about retail and housing and architecture and food and work and so it depends a lot on what what kind of domain you want to to observe right and and we have all kinds of projects um and all kinds of starting points for that some projects are very abstract they're very much like hey how are we going to be parents in the future and that could be a very broad question but it could be very specific about like hey how does the future of manufacturing will look like in this certain geography right so that's kind of the first step is kind of to define like hey what do we mean with with our landscape 
right? Because maybe if you're, maybe you think you are in finance, but actually you're touching upon all the things that you should be observing. And then we invite our our clients and our partners to to collect signals to map what is emerging. And a signal could be is a is a small phenomenon that can be observed. Um, so that's really important. It's not something that you're making up. It's something that you can observe in the present. And maybe it's very emergent, even maybe it's very small, it's very weak, but somebody, an organization, a person, a group of people is doing something that could be interesting, right? And and signals could be anything from a new technology that's emerging, could be a new behavior, be a new value, it could be a new business model, a new policy that emerge, etc. It could be many, many different things. But what's important is to to take that piece of, of knowledge and and start reflecting on like, hey, what what could this, uh, what could be the impact of this? So a good example, for example, is um, if you think of remote work, a lot of people is going into, or remote work is becoming really a, a very strong part of uh, working culture uh, and how we work. And it's not a taboo anymore. But maybe 10 years ago, the signals were already there. You know, there's been people, you know, nomads or people that want to work in different ways that have been doing this for, for a long time, right? But maybe it was not really spread out, but the signals were there. There were retreats uh, where people could go and work from the Caribbean for three months if they wanted to, things like that. That was already there, right? So you could have speculated back then into, hey, what if this becomes the norm? What if most people actually become remote workers of some sort to a, to a certain extent, how is that going to shape how, you know, our, our working life, right? And then if you are a real estate company and you sell office spaces, you will be very interested in that, <laughs> you know, because that's, that's your whole business, that's challenging your whole business model of selling office spaces. What happens if less, if companies don't need as much space as they used to, right? So things like that where from a very small observation, you can actually start a very interesting train of thought um, that's kind of what we invite people to do in that in that part of collecting signals. And then very roughly speaking, I'm just kind of really rushing here, but then what you do when you collect several of those signals could be hundreds of them, depending on how much time you want to, to invest in it. Mm. And we have projects where we, you know, collect 400, 500 of them when we have the time. Then you need to analyze that and, of course, try to look for connections, look for patterns, look for synergies in between those those pieces of data and eventually you will arrive to certain key learnings or key insights that can then then you can use as input for strategy or you can use them to start you know developing even further scenarios or visions for the future etc right and that's super crucial you know to arrive to that point where you are able to articulate hey this is the top five things or the top 10 things that we find relevant for our future right and then you can use that as ingredients for you know if you want to do an innovation sprint or develop a certain scenario or story or a vision or whatever you want to create with that but you need to arrive to that foundation first because if you start just doing scenario work without any knowledge foundation you know it becomes purely speculation Mm -hmm. right and that could be interesting in some cases but our experience is that when it comes to strategy, you always want to refer to a specific thing that is happening. 
Nicholas, to your point, I, I wonder if, you know, based on what we talked about with the economy or based on what we talked about with the pandemic or other global events, the clients view signals or they view your business offering even uh, as future focused still, or they view it more as risk mitigation? Hmm. In some cases, they it is about risk mitigation, but we try to steer it away from it because like Dita was saying at the beginning, you know, then that becomes maybe more about business analysis or you know really in the here and now and we try to 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 stay within this space of hey this is not necessarily the here and now it could have implications in the here and now but it is about what's next <laughs> it is about what's kind of where we're heading towards rather than the fire that we might have <laughs> in the in the like right now we always say you know it's about designing the future that you want to see rather than following everybody's you know future or the trends that everybody else is following right so i think it's about empowering our clients to understand that especially clients with with influence so that they can understand that what they do shapes the future we're not alone in in often hearing that bespoke understands designers you're able to talk about any topic intimacy death manufacturing in a way which which resonate the cultural dynamic is as you said Jan, near and dear to not just me but everyone uh, on this dialogue today I, i'm curious how you quantify slash qualify the changes that you're able to make in a cultural dynamic it's such often such an an ethereal thing for businesses to articulate in, in firmer terms beyond just you know the culture is doing well or even societal culture, how they fit in. People always ask, like, so which industries do we work in? Or like, which, which industries are you experts in? And I think for us, it's it's way more about actually owning the privilege and the strength it is to be totally across industries. So I could say now we work with very different clients at the moment. It's everything from public sector to small independent think tank on art to commercial uh, companies that you would all know and it's so it's everything across um the field and i think that is where some of the really interesting insights arise because part of the work with futures is just to know once and for all that we cannot we cannot say anything in an isolated space uh, the potential is always in the intersection between things so so yes when we look at manufacturing it may be some points about the way we build relations or as you mentioned intimacy that's all of a sudden triggers a new way of thinking about a product or a way of producing a product or a way to market a product or to sustain a product those intersections we have the privilege of seeing them because we work across fields and that's often our role is that what we bring into the client is to say you can bring all the signals from within your field and then we come with the with the other half, which is the the yin and the yang, you know, so we come with the perspective from the outside. And then in those meetings, there are often some super interesting dialogues uh, that you would not get if you try to isolate industries as one. It is about culture and it is mm. about, you know, we always say how we live and how we work. And that, because that's kind of shaping everything, you know, like that shapes how values are emerging, new values, new ways of living will eventually shape consumer behavior and that would affect so many so many companies right mm. so we need to understand what motivates people what's driving what's driving culture what makes one good at this type of work the first thing that comes to to mind is be curious about the tensions rather than trying to find 
the right answer or, or, yes. or trying to find the truth, <laughs> which I think sometimes, it, it, you know, you see a lot uh, where it's like, okay, what is the trend that's defining this certain culture or this certain demographic? Or, but when, when you really look at things, uh, it's not too much about, uh, is it this one or is it the other one or is it black or white? Is it right or wrong? It's more about the tensions and understanding that a lot of opposite things can coexist. We're really passionate about that and really curious about also bringing that mindset into into our projects and into our work. Um, so if you look at things like urbanization, you know, and, and everybody's like, hey, the trend is that people is moving to the city still. And, you know, everybody's moving to the cities. We're living more crowded, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, that's a part of the population is doing that. And we need to understand why and what motivates people to move to the city. Uh, but then it's also true that as a big part of population is also moving out of the city for different motivations and different reasons. And those two things can coexist. Everything in between those two points is what's interesting. And you might find a space for an opportunity there for a new innovation or for a new for a business or to create certain a new value. But if you don't have, you know, these two opposites where you can really see a bigger spectrum of opportunities, you risk kind of just missing out on a lot of of, of the world, right? Because you, mm. you you maybe you'd want to be really focused on one area, which is one approach, and some some people do that. But uh, if it's about innovation, if it's about creativity, if it's about something new, you kind of want to be as open as you can. Yeah. So I think we we really really emphasize that we call futures design. So yeah. I think the S is extremely important. <laughs> we have to work with futures in plural, otherwise it becomes a prediction game that no one can really win. Mm. Because it's not about finding out what is the one thing that everyone is going to do. That's an absurd thought about the world because, you know, there are <laughs> so many different ways to live and so many different cultures mm. within cultures within and communities within cultures. So that so it's also about defining and understanding what is your space uh, and what what do you want to build for i love the uh, the um, fantastically layered answers that nicholas and dita you were able to give because futures design in, in the states is something that's still probably not as as evolved really appreciate the depth you were able to give thank you both for coming on and talking about a topic a way of looking at the world that is part of design and design leadership thank you Thank you. Um, Thank you so much.